What's going on, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Quentin Douglas, and I'm here with my brother. I'm Jimmy Covington, man. How y'all doing? What's going on, bro? How you doing? I'm doing good, bro. Fresh off the clock about an hour ago, you know what I'm saying, watching this Milwaukee-Atlanta game as we speak. Ready to get to it, man. How you been? Yeah, man. Same here. Pretty good. Just taking it a day at a time. About to be the weekend, so not much more I could ask for. I mean, it's been raining, but, you know, it happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, before we get started, just a quick reminder uh, to go and follow our social media pages. Of course, we have our Instagram. We're first and foremost underscore sports. We also have our Twitter page where you can go and follow us there. And that uh, username uh, is first underscore foremost eight. And then we also have our Facebook group, and that's first and foremost sports podcast. So, again, we appreciate the support. And so, Jimmy, without further ado, you ready to get to it, bro? Yes, sir. All right. So, first up, the Phoenix Suns have punched their ticket to the NBA Finals. Uh, after their 4-2 series win over the L.A. Clippers. So, Jimmy, let's dive into it and talk about some of the takeaways from that series. All right, well, I'll go and start first. So, I do want to say congratulations to the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul for making it to his first NBA Finals, and congratulations to the Phoenix Suns for making it to their first NBA Finals since uh, 1993 when they faced off against the Bulls. Uh, But with that being said, I truly feel like the Clippers, even without Kawhi Leonard, should have beat them in five games. And uh, let me tell you why. So in three of the four games they lost, uh, they melted. The Clippers basically melted down in the last three minutes or so. Uh, With Kawhi Leonard, that doesn't happen. But if you think about what caused two of those blown leads, uh, it was clutch free throws. And that's unusual from what the Clippers were able to do in the regular season. The regular season, they have the all-time single-season record of a free throw percentage as a team at 84%, and they shot 77% during the series. So that's, uh, you know, a nice drop-down from what they were. And like I said, the strength during the regular season became a weakness uh, in the clutch. And it, I think the only game that Phoenix truly outplayed of the Clippers from top to bottom was last night's game. Uh, that was a total domination. But – other than that, like I said, I think the Clippers should have won in five, to be completely honest with you. Uh, and then think about, you know, just if you want to take a look at the numbers, the Clippers only had three players in double figures. That's Paul George, obviously, uh, Richie Jackson, and Ivica Zubak, who missed the last two games with an MCL sprain. And, uh, you know, want to talk about, I, I think the best player in the series was Paul George. Uh, averaged around 30 points, about around 11 boards, six assists. Uh, he was first in points per game third in rebounds per game, second in assists, and first in steals uh, between both teams. So Paul George definitely balled out. Uh, Reggie Jackson looked like a reclamation project. He said at one point last night that he thought he was going to be out of the league. And uh, here he goes, you know, putting up twenty-one, almost 22 points per game in the conference finals. And, uh, you know, just like I said, I, I truly believe the Clippers should have won in five. But late game, late game meltdowns is what kept Phoenix alive in this series. See, I knew you would come with that just because I know you're a Clippers guy and, you know, you always advocate for them. But, uh, you know, I do give credit to the Clippers, especially dealing with their injuries. 
you know, on top of Kawhi Leonard, they were without him for the last eight games. Uh, you know, they were also without Avisa Subach. That was a big loss. Um, he was a guy who really rarely misses games. Um, and then they also were without Serge Ibaka, who was basically another starter for them. Uh, so, like I said, that was another big loss. But the Clippers, you know, they were this team. They gotten comfortable with falling down 0-2. They did it against the Mavericks uh, in the first round. And, you know, they did it again this round, even after the Jazz as well uh, in the second. Can't forget about that. Uh, but, like I said, you know, they lost Kawhi Leonard in game four. Um, and, you know, really – they lost game four, I believe, after losing Kawhi. And then they were down by, what, 25, 26 at home in game six before coming back and winning and pulling off the win ultimately in that series. So, as I said, definitely respect to them. Paul George, Reggie Jackson balled out. You know, he'll get paid a pretty good contract this offseason. Ty Luce cemented himself as one of the top coaches, if not the top coach in the NBA, uh, with what he was able to do. But I have to give my hats off to the Suns. You know, ultimately, they were the better team. And I said it before, I said it again, you know, this playoffs is coming down to who is going to be the healthiest when it's all said and done. And, you know, that once again show in this series. Um, and once again, my credit goes to Chris Paul, who he's been in the NBA now 16 years. And for him to go to this Phoenix Suns team, they have a lot of young pups. They haven't been to the playoffs as a franchise in a decade. And now they're in the NBA Finals. And for him to be a top five point guard, arguably of all time, and to now break through that threshold, and have a chance to get a ring. I think, you know, last night was a great sports moment and definitely a great personal moment for CP3. Uh, and, I mean, he went crazy. He gave he gave Pat Bell buckets, man. Uh, he ended up finishing with 41 points. And we saw in the fourth quarter, Pat Bell, you know, one of those guys you always hear the cliche, you love when he's on your team and you hate to play against him. But, you know, for that that cheap shot on Chris Paul, I think even if you're a Clippers teammate uh, of Patrick Beverly, you got to be like, all right, dude, you got to chill out. But uh, like I said, hats off to the sun. Devin Booker is a certified star. But, you know, last night, Chris Paul, that was all his show, especially in the second half, uh, you know, for him to go to L.A. after what he did for that franchise and keep them keep them from getting to the final, uh, I think just adds another element to his accomplishment. I will say, uh, as, as much as uh, – you know I'm a, I'm a big Paul George fan, and as well as he had played in the series, I was a little disappointed last night uh, with the way he played early in the game. Uh, he got aggressive late, but it was a little bit too late. I think early in the game he was focused on trying to get his other teammates going. Uh, but when it comes when it comes to elimination time, when you that guy, you just got to go get yours. Uh, a lot of time when you're playing against a team like Phoenix, you don't have time to try to get everybody else involved and then try to get yours later. I think Paul George should have came out uh, with a more aggressive mindset from the jump. And I, I said something on the, the Facebook group page the other day. I said if Paul George was consistently 
aggressive as aggressive as he has been earlier in this season, Paul George will be a top ten player easily. Uh, but once again, like I said earlier in the game, he didn't bring the correct direct the co- excuse me the correct level of aggression, and I think the Clippers suffered because of that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm definitely I'm a Paul George fan myself. And I agree with you. He definitely needs to be aggressive more consistently. And, you know, he he's definitely not the same guy he was in Indiana, you know, being asked to carry that offensive load night in and night out and be that guy. But, you know, I think in this series specifically, uh, you know, given their circumstances and what they were going through, I think ultimately he just ran out of gas. Uh, especially that second half last night. Uh, you know, you got Terrence Mann, who is basically Kawhi's replacement, and he shot, what, like two for seven last night? Uh, they basically got nothing from the bench. So, I mean, you know, like we said, hats off to Paul George, but he had to get some help. And, you know, pretty much, like I said, he just ran out of gas last night. Definitely. But, I mean, I picked the Clippers uh, even without Kawhi. Uh, it- didn't get it done. Uh, like I said, I think Kawhi Leonard, uh, definitely him being there would have definitely changed the outcome of that series. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the complexion of the series would have been a lot different. Now, would I still have picked the Clippers to beat the Suns? Now, I don't know, because even from the beginning, I was pretty confident in the Suns, you know. Chris Paul's had his up and ups and downs throughout the playoffs, but you know, ultimately, as we saw last night, you know, when it mattered most, he showed, you know, just how bad he wants the opportunity to compete for a championship. Uh, so, you know, like you said, Kawhi Leonard, he's definitely a top five player in the league. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I definitely we, – we can't discredit this Suns team not, not one bit. No, no I, got, I got a rebuttal, and then we can move on. I will say I just – I think, like I said, Kawhi Leonard completely changed the complexion. I don't think there's no way Phoenix beats the Clippers with Kawhi if Kawhi Leonard is playing. Because, like I said, they basically got outplayed in five of the six games. And <laughs> you, they're missing – the Clippers were missing the arguably a top five player in the world, and they took you to six games and basically outplayed you in five of the six, uh, being honest. So, with the one of those – when a guy like Kawhi, who's the best – get a bucket, stop a bucket guy in the league, come on, I, I think the Clippers easily win in five, six at the very most. I, okay, I mean, I get that, but I'll say real quick too and we can move on too, but uh, you know, Kawhi was there the first two rounds and they were falling down 0-2 to those teams, so what was going on there? Didn't start off series like they were supposed to. Uh, I mean, as we've all seen these last couple of years, of the Clippers either start out slow and get hot or start out hot and get slow. <laughs> and they started off slow and got hot in both of those series. Right. And, you know, I, I've i heard multiple people say, I think, you know, even probably somebody like Skip Bayless, they're probably the most frustrating team to cheer for just because just of how they like to flip the switch on and off. Definitely. But definitely last night wasn't a situation where they could flip the switch. But like I said, congratulations to Phoenix Suns. Uh, so now they'll be awaiting the winner of the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks, who are currently playing 
at the time as we are recording this video. Um, and at this moment, it's the end of the third quarter. The Milwaukee Bucks are up 91 to 78. Uh, so, Jimmy, uh, what, what do you have to say about this series? Honestly, it's kind of gone as I expected it to be. I don't. I didn't think the Bucks were going to beat the Hawks easily. Uh, we saw what the Hawks have been able to do with Trey Young and his offensive brilliance, and you know the support that he's gotten from the role players. I mean, and we know what the Bucks are. They are what they've been in years previous. They got over the hump uh, this time. So, I mean, like last game, obviously, you know, Giannis got hurt in the third quarter, and but they looked terrible. Uh, and the Hawks basically dominated them from beginning to end uh, without Trey Young. And Trey Young missed tonight's game as well. And uh, Giannis missed tonight's game as well. So uh, the Bucks are playing some good ball tonight. Uh, but uh, they're going to need to continue that into next game because it says Giannis, uh, his return timetable from injury is uh, unclear when he'll be back. So, you know, he could miss the remainder of this series. So they're going to need him. Uh, and no, they needed guys to step up. And right now, if you're just looking at the box score, uh, Brooke Lopez is balling out. He has 26 points right now. Bobby Portis has 17. Uh, Drew Holiday has 21. Chris Middleton has 21 and 11. Well, uh, excuse me. Drew Holiday has 22 points, and uh, Chris Middleton has 21. So those guys are the guys that you expect to step up when Giannis is out, and they're doing just that right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think if anything, you know, these guys on the Milwaukee Bucks, they definitely are familiar with playing without Giannis. You know, if you remember last year in the playoffs against the Miami Heat, uh, Giannis missed like the last two games or the last game and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so like I said, they've definitely been battle tested without him before. Uh, but, you know, in game four, that was the Hawks' easily best offensive game of the series without Trey Young. Um, and, you know, they really moved the ball well. They shot the ball well. But, you know, they did all that in their home arena. And, you know, one thing about the playoffs is when you play well, you have to be able to take that on the road. And, you know, we're seeing right now, you know, even once they came out first quarter, they pretty much just got punched in the mouth. And they pretty much have been digging themselves out of a hole ever since. Uh, and as you see it, Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, they've pretty much just been getting whatever they wanted inside in the paint, even without Giannis being out there. And then you've had Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to compliment that as well. And Holiday has done a really good job, uh, you know, getting everyone involved and facilitating the offense as well. Uh, now that he's having more ball handling responsibilities with the absence of Giannis. But, um, you know, to talk about Giannis for a second, I mean, that injury was gruesome, man. It was hard to watch. Uh, you know, the injuries have been really tough this year. And, you know, now Giannis is just the latest to be added to that list. And, you know, on the other side, you still got Trey Young. He's missing time. Uh, Clint Capella got raked in the eye. You know, he had a – he had a scare there for a second with some inflammation, but he's out there playing, uh, which, by the way, he had a crazy shot last game. Did you see that Larry Bird shot over the backboard? I'll call it a Kobe shot. Kobe shot. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because Kobe's counting Larry Bird didn't because uh, at the time it was considered out of bounds. Either. But, uh, you know, 
if the Hawks, you know, they've already overachieved to this point as it is, but if they're going to have any hopes of winning this series, uh, you know, John Collins is going to have to play better consistently. And, you know, I don't understand. It just didn't seem like they make a concerted effort to really get him involved. Uh, but, you know, uh, maybe Danilo Gallinari, he struggled from the field tonight, but he's gotten to the free throw line quite a bit. Uh, maybe he can get going next game. But like you said, I pretty much feel like the Bucks are just the overall better team. And like I said, they play without Giannis uh, before. So I feel pretty confident that they'll pull this series out. I do too. I picked Milwaukee in six uh, to begin the series. But I think one thing that's been interesting is to note that the only game uh, where the deficit was less than 10 points was game one when Atlanta beat Milwaukee. So other than that, in every in whatever game that each team has won, is they've done so uh, with a pretty sizable margin. So it looks like Milwaukee's going to do that again tonight. Like it's going to be an, another double digit uh, victory for uh, Milwaukee tonight. So that's been one thing that I've noticed. Uh, I expected the games to be a lot closer than they've been. I think the Milwaukee's up eighteen right now as we speak. Well, nope, make that fifteen. Gallinari just hit a three. Uh, so. Both teams have played – whichever team has won the game, they've played extremely well, and the other team has, you know, fell, fell behind, hasn't played as well. So I, I expect Atlanta to play well next uh, – tomorrow. well, not tomorrow, excuse me, uh, Saturday. Uh, I expect Atlanta to play well at home, uh, regardless on if Trey Young is there or not. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, like you said, they're a good team. Hats off to them. Uh, they play really well as a unit. And Nate McMillan, he's a really good coach. So, you know, I definitely expect him to make adjustments for them come game six because, you know, playoffs, you take it a game at a time, and each game is a different story, and you never know what's going to happen. So definitely, you know, for the Hawks, they're not going to put their heads down, and Milwaukee can't just go in next game expecting them to roll over and, and give them a W. Definitely not. They're going to have to come in and play like they're playing right now. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. Well, did you have anything uh, about the NBA series that you want to add on? Uh, none besides this has been a spe- – despite the injuries, uh, this has been a fantastic playoffs to watch. It's been very exciting. Pretty much every series has been exciting. So, Yeah, for sure. And I'm really – I'm just excited at the fact that It'll be somebody new this year raising that uh, trophy at the end of the year, whether it's Atlanta, Milwaukee, or Phoenix. You know, all three of those teams. I I wouldn't be mad if any of them wanted to be honest. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I kind of got tired of seeing the same people in the finals over and over again. Right. Even though I I would say I was mad at seeing LeBron, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> somebody else somebody else can get a chance for one. But to keep it in the NBA, you know, we've had a couple of coaching moves uh, so far this offseason. Uh, so, Jimmy, which ones kind of caught your eye? Uh, which coaching moves do you found interesting so far? Uh, well, it's a couple, uh, several actually. So, Brad Stevens, who's been the Celtics coach for a while, uh, he moved into another role as the team's president and uh former 76ers assistant Ime Udoka 
uh, became the head coach. And uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, Rick Carlisle stepped down and immediately took the job with the Indiana Pacers. And then the Dallas Mavericks uh, brought in Jason Kidd, who was won a championship with them. And he brought in, and they also brought in a longtime Nike executive, Nico Harrison, uh, as their general manager. And another thing that stuck out stuck out to me. Uh, was definitely the Portland Trailblazers uh, bringing in Chauncey Billups, who's been an assistant coach with the Clippers alongside Ty Lue. So uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what Portland has in store. Um, I just want to see what they're going to do with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and see how that roster uh, pans out, how this offseason is. And, I, and, you know, Billups is an intelligent basketball mind. He was a great player. So I'm excited to see how he transitions into being the head coach. Yeah, man, those are definitely some interesting ones to point out, especially, you know, Chauncey Billups going to Portland. I wonder, I I don't know the chances that Damian Lillard is on that team next year. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how that coaching job would be for Chauncey if he ends up coaching with no Damian Lillard on the roster. That, so that could be interesting. Uh, but, you know, some more you got uh, – was it Rick Carlisle? He's going back to Indiana, uh, which of course he coached there from 03 to 07, uh, which things, I guess, evidently were sour behind the scenes in Dallas. And so, you know, that, that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, you got Stan Van Gundy. He's out in New Orleans. So it'll be interesting to see who will be coaching, uh, Zion and Brandon Ingram and all those guys next year. Uh, and then you got a vacancy down in Orlando. Uh, you know, maybe somebody like Terry Stott, uh, could be an option for that position. And then the Washington Wizards, Scott Brooks, you know, they parted ways not too long ago as well. And, you know, I thought that was interesting because, you know, with the Russell Westbrook dynamic, Coach Brooks w- was somebody who worked with Westbrook before and, you know, knew how to coach him and knew how he operated as a player. And so you won't have that element there anymore. And I think that'll be pretty important. And so it'll be interesting to see who goes to all of those positions uh, for all of those teams. Uh, and, and also another thing, you know, with Nate McMillan, I think he still has the interim tag in Atlanta. And so I I suspect he'll probably get a bag this offseason too. Oh, yeah, I fully expect McMillan to get – to get an extension, uh, at one point Atlanta was looking was uh, at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and then they end up being the five seed, and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right, and you know, at, well, really for Atlanta and Phoenix, you know, they were young teams who were possibly viewed as all right. They might make some noise, could possibly squeak into the playoffs, but you know, nobody could predict them doing this well this year. <laughs> No, definitely not. All right. And then, so that's pretty much all we have for this episode for the NBA. Uh, And just a couple of other quick topics. Some interesting NFL news. Actually, uh, NFL player Demarius Thomas retired. Of course, the longtime Denver Broncos receiver. Uh, I believe he was third all-time in receiving yards and second in catches. Uh, And, of course, if you don't remember, he caught uh, Peyton Manning's 509th touchdown catch. Uh, They gave him the record at the time. And then he also caught that game-winning touchdown catch from 
Tim Tebow that won in that wild card match. Uh, so definitely a good career, pretty solid career from Demarius Thomas. I don't think – you don't think he'll get into the Hall of Fame, do you? Definitely not. There is There are a, a plethora of receivers who are a lot better than Demarius Thomas who haven't gotten in. I mean, he did put up some solid numbers. I mean, uh, he was he had seven twenty four receptions, nine thousand seven hundred sixty three yards, sixty three touchdowns. Uh, so he definitely played some some had some great years, especially with Peyton Manning. Uh, with Peyton Manning, he had five four five, four straight seasons of over thirteen hundred yards, and he was a four time Pro Bowler. Uh, but I don't there like I said, there are guys like Chad Ochocinco who haven't gotten in, and we. I'm sure, you know, everybody knows that Marius Thomas is nowhere near the caliber of receiver that Chad Ochocinco was. So, but he had a great career. Uh, best of luck to him, whatever he does, decides to do next. No doubt, no doubt. Like you said, yeah, I don't think he'll get in either. Uh, but definitely a solid career uh, for Demarius Thomas. And, you know, pretty impressive for a guy who went to college at Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh, and... And other NFL news, also, Saints right tackle Ryan Ramchick, uh, he became the highest-paid right tackle in the NFL at this position. Uh, Jimmy, how important do you think that move was? Ryan, Ryan Ramchick has been one of the best right tackles in the game since he's entered the league out of Wisconsin, and it's well-deserved. Uh, him and Teron Armstead on the opposite side have has kept Drew Brees clean for a very long time. And uh, it's, it's just his time, and he set the bar for right tackles. I mean, right tackle position is important as well. Uh, even though Jameis Winston is right-handed and he's not going to be blocking uh, his blind side, but still with the amount of uh, great edge rushers we have these days, it's premium that you have two good tackles. Yep, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, like you said, him and Teron Armstead, probably arguably the best tackle duo in the league that you know they have to offer uh but you know he definitely got paid it's for five years 96 million dollars that's 60 million in guaranteed money uh and actually in his four-year career he's only missed one game up until this point so he's definitely been an iron man uh so definitely like you said for Jameis winston next year he'll be locking up their right side and last but not least jimmy uh, of course, today, with it being July 1st, uh, new laws went into effect for NCAA athletes regarding their name, image, and likeness. How, how, you know, just how important is this to the landscape of college athletics now for the future? It is long overdue. Uh, I was just thinking about some of the guys uh, playing college football that, I believe probably would have been some millionaires in college. You think about Tim Tebow, uh, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Reggie Bush, all of guys like Matt Liner. You know, all of those guys were absolute megastars in college. So it's just a wondering, you know, how much money could they have made? And if you look at basketball, I mean, Zion Williamson, you got guys like Vince Carter, uh, J.J. Reddick, those kind of guys. I think they would have made a bunch of money at the collegiate level. So I think it's a, it's well past due. Uh, and even just think about today, think about Trevor Lawrence, guys like Justin Fields, those kind of guys, 
they definitely would have made a lot of money, especially with the way social media has changed things. Uh, so, like I said, it's well overdue. I'm actually excited for a new college football game, which we haven't had since 2014. Uh, so I'm more excited about that, knowing that that possibility is definitely coming more than anything. But uh, I hope the players uh, get their just due. They've been working been working hard for to produce money for a corrupt system forever. I mean, the NCAA is a multi-billion dollar industry, and the players weren't getting any of that, and I felt, always felt like that was wrong. Yeah, but I completely agree with you, bro. Man, this is long overdue. Uh, you know, these players for so long have been ripped off in regards to, you know, being able to make money. And, you know, we hear all the time how players aren't allowed to get part-time jobs uh, and other things just because of their rigorous schedules and the time commitments that they're asked to make. Uh, and so I think, you know, if anybody, probably the colleges are really concerned about this because, for one, you know, who's going to enforce these rules uh, for these players as far as how these endorsements are going to go? Uh, you know, there's really just a free-for-all. And so you really, they can do whatever they want to. Uh, and so, you know, I'm all for player empowerment. Uh, and I think even some schools are already putting, uh, like, marketing uh, classes and things like that in place uh, to kind of help the players out and guide them and make sure they're not getting ripped off with their deals and things of that nature. Uh, so I definitely think a lot more positive is going to come from this than negative. Definitely. Like I say, it's it's about time. The system has been corrupt for entirely too long. And I saw Dabo Sweeney. I saw a quote. I don't know how accurate it is, but I saw a quote from Dabo Sweeney that said, uh, once the players start getting paid, <laughs> then I'm done or something of that nature. So <laughs> I'm going to see if that holds true. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see if it happens. But I, I'm telling you right now, he probably ain't going nowhere. I, he's not. He knows better. Come on now. He getting paid too much money at Clemson. Exactly. They they treat him like a god down there. <laughs> well, bro, did you have anything else you want to add to this episode? Uh, nope. Just thank you for continuing to support us. All right. Yeah, I'll double down on that. And, of course, we appreciate the support. Uh, subscribe, follow us, like us, comment, let us know how we're doing. Uh, let us know whenever you want to hear, you know, any topics or, you know, we're always open to any input. Uh, I'm Quentin Douglas. We appreciate it. All right. Thank y'all. All right. And until next time, deuces.